Hey guys, Jody Holland here. Thank you for tuning in for the, the lesson with Kyle Sanders. He's talking about how you build great cultures. And then we go on to answer questions from people that were in the audience for this. We do our Facebook lives once a month in this long form. And then we do a Facebook live called the Leadership Corner every Monday at 4 p.m. We do a lot of deep dives and mastery classes. If you have not signed up for our monthly program, please do so. There will be a link to get a discounted price with a discount code in the lesson itself. So it'll be on the screen. Just look on the screen right there and you'll see what the discount code is. Go to our store, psycheofsuccess.com forward slash store, and use that discount code on Psyche of Success University monthly program. It will save you $100 a month forever. So the regular price is $199. Because you tuned in, it's only $99 for you. A lot of great programs out there, a lot of great stuff. Let's get started. This is the Psyche of Success. Podcasting around the globe. Join us as we interview superstars in their respective fields and help you master the psychology of winning big in business and in life. Here's your host, author, speaker, and business coach, Jody Holland. All right. Well, I am ready to get going here. We're going to be talking about how you build stronger cultures. I've got Kyle Sanders with me. And Kyle did one of our speeches at Growth Conference 2020. Very thankful we actually were able to have Growth Conference 2020 because just a few weeks after that is when all the COVID-19 stuff hit. I think from a leadership standpoint, building a great culture has never been more important than right now, particularly as we come out of this struggle. If you don't know how to gel your people together, create the right emotional states in your people and get them excited, about moving back in the right direction for recovery, then it's gonna be just chaos for companies like that. So Kyle, I'm, I'm gonna give you a chance, just introduce yourself a little bit to people, a little bit of your background, and then we'll get started on the program. Sure, thanks for having me, Jody, and, and certainly it's a pleasure to be here. Um, you know, I have um, over 30 years of experience in leadership positions within um, predominantly healthcare, um, I was fortunate to be able to um, advance my career and serve as a CEO of several different organizations, um, hospitals, medical groups, actually started um, an accountable care organization and ACO where we did a lot of network. Um, but my passion and everything that I love doing is, as well as just performing and hitting your metrics is building a culture, building those relationships with people, how you spend time investing and pouring into people um, and doing that. And so that, that's, that's where my passion has led me. I'm, I'm actually blessed and fortunate that I partnered with Jody on many of these things. I've learned from him. I've used him. I'm not only a great friend, but he's also my coach and somebody that I've used, you know, forever. Um, it feels like forever, even though we're both still extremely young. Um, extremely. To be able to extremely, to be able to continue um, to do this work, I just want to share some thoughts that I have around servant leadership. Awesome. Well, Kyle, you've always been very impressive to me and just watching the things that you've accomplished in your life. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to start sharing this screen here so that they can see your presentation. You can just let me know each time that you want me to advance and I'll make sure, sure. and do that. So Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. All right. All right. So um, obviously I just want to talk a little bit about my journey and hopefully you'll take, have some takeaways from that for things that will help you um, in what you're doing um, as a leader and within your organizations. And I just want to mirror what Jody said. I don't, I think while we're all living in unprecedented times within our organizations, I think the one thing that not only has not changed, but has actually become more important is how we serve those that we have responsibility for. Um, we're struggling personally, they're struggling personally, and I think that these tenets are, are even more important and resonate even further today than they ever have in the past. So on the next slide, just to start it off a little bit about a journey and a story um, about me. Uh, next slide, Jody. Yep. Sorry. Sorry. 
um, a story about, you know, as a brand new CEO. So I got my first CEO job in 2009. And um, that's, you know, a few years before I had met Jody and working in an organization. And about six months into it, I'm meeting with my human resources director, have standing meetings with those people, sit around and talk to them, catch up, hold each other accountable, building relationships. And she was asking me about, you know, how is it going? How is, how are you finding this? And I said, I'm actually really enjoying it. You know, one of the things that I wanted to do, I was really excited about being a CEO for the first time was I finally get to push forward and execute my own ideas. It was one of the things that I was really there and, and to really get to do that. And what I, even in the first six months, what I learned very quickly was one of the things that I enjoyed and that I, was one of my favorite things to be able to do was not just that, but doing that together with the team and seeing how that strategy comes together and how we build on each other. But the one takeaway that I had that was different is I said, people treat me a little bit different. I said, some of these people I've known for 20 plus years within this organization and yet they react differently to me. And, you know, she, she was quick to point out and, um, you know, ask for an example. And we talked about one particular individual that, you know, I thought was a friend and someone that I had known and, and talked about, you know, your words matter. You know, one of the things for people that don't know me, I'm an extreme smart aleck. And so always with humor, always picking on you. Um, I'm a complete klutz, so it's turned around a lot and picking on me and just having that relationship with people. And yet some of those people were reacting differently. And she said, your words matter. As a leader, even if you're doing it from a position of humor and relationships, your words matter to what you, what you say to people. Now, jokingly said, yeah, but I was the COO of the organization before that. So it was kind of already a big deal. And she laughed at me and said, yeah, we know you thought you were a big deal. You weren't necessarily, but we were aware that that's where your ego told you that you were and that you thought you were. So she said, you need to realize it makes a difference when you get into that position or you're in a position of leadership of people that you were peers with before. And your words really matter. And that was really very much a bellwether moment for me personally. And it really came from my leadership style and it taught me three new things. One, always remember and always be cognizant of the fact that your words do matter. Always um, realize what it is you're actually called to do. When you are called to a leader, to be a leader, you're called to serve people. You're called to be there and to help people and to achieve the organizational objectives, but you're also help for, you know, help for them to be able to grow who they are. And then what came out of that was my need personally to have a coach. Because just like my words matter, when I need to be vulnerable, when I need to have somebody that I can speak to, I need to have somebody outside of the organization, somebody when you're the leader, you don't always have those people you can reach to and to be able to have that. And actually that's, that's the genesis of where Jody and I started our relationship. And so that was a bellwether moment for me that, you know, I'm blessed to have been able to recognize that at that point and then start truly studying evidence-based leadership, evidence-based management, and what that really means um, to be in that position. All right, next slide, Jody. So I wanna talk for a second about, you know, what is the actual definition of a leader? And, and really the idea of servant leadership has been around for a very long time. It, from some of the studying, the things that I've been able to find at least 2000 years, it comes from religious and philosophical texts and they begin thinking about that. There's a gentleman, great, if you've ever had a chance to read any of Robert Greenleaf's work and they have a Greenleaf Institute, um, starting even back in the 70s, where they talk about what leadership is. And then he always goes back to the servant leader is a servant first. It begins with where someone wants to be to serve other people. And then you aspire to do that. And then that's what leads to leadership. And so when I define that, that's what that looks like for me. And that's where I think of as a leader. On the next slide. Let's look a little bit about where I feel like the difference between, you know, what might be what some of us have learned or some of us have seen and experienced, the difference between a traditional leader and their style and a servant leader and their style. Obviously, traditional leaders, and it's similar to what I described in my, in my opening with my story, sees it as a rank to be obtained. 
Whereas a servant leader seizes an opportunity to be able to serve others. It's one more opportunity, one more way that they can, um, they can serve others. Traditional leadership will try to use power and control to drive performance. Again, it can be effective. You have the position, you have the ability, you can absolutely drive performance through demand. But a servant leader likes to share power and control and they like to use that. One of my favorite stories, one of my favorite people in the world is a director that I worked with when I was at Northwest Texas in Amarillo. And she, I always pointed to her department as one of the most high functioning departments that existed. And she told me one time, I've never had to truly terminate any employee or I've never really had to have, you know, massive counseling with most of my employees because the other employees in the department do that. They had such a culture and she served them in such a way that if they saw any of their own fellow employees um, or associates struggling or acting out in ways that were not consistent with how they had developed their department, they were quick to go and to bring that person. And even many times, you know, it had happened where they came and said, we, this one's not going to work. You know, we're not going to be able to make it with this person. And they were quick to be able to try to change that within their own department. And I never saw a department that functioned as well because she shared that power and control and it was just who she was as a person. Traditional leaders measure success through output as opposed through growth and development. Now, output's important. But if you measure and your goal as a servant leader is the growth and the development of the department, you will obtain the ROI. Jody and I worked on a struggling department in one of the emergency departments at the hospital I was at. The department had had over 100% turnover in their RN staff. Now in hospitals, that's a very expensive, that's a very expensive thing. Um, we were able to do work with the physicians, with the leader in the department, and with the employees to come about with rules of the road about how we were going to treat each other, about how the leaders, including the physician leaders, were going to interact with each other and have development within all their employees. Fast forward a little over a year later, we were down below single-digit turnover, and the calculation on that, very, very strong ROI was over a couple of million dollars a year just in the HR function, not even calculating the improvement that had existed with um, productivity. Obviously a traditional leader wants to speak versus listen, and then they believe it's about them as opposed to a servant leader very much understands it's not about me, it's about those that I've called to be able to serve. All right, Jody, next slide. So my personal leadership philosophy, which goes along with this, and this is something I encourage each of you to do, is develop your own, I would call it elevator speech, or just what is your philosophy? My philosophy is around strategy, relationships, and accountability. Obviously, as a leader, we have to have a strategy. We have to have a why. What is it we're trying to accomplish? Um, if you're within healthcare, it's serving patients. If we've been a particular department, it's what that department brings to that. If you're in manufacturing, it is the productive output of your product. And you've got to always go back to everything you're doing. And I also seek to get input. This is not something I develop on my own. We have a board, we have other executive leaders, even going out to the community and having the people that are our customers and the people that we serve out in the community and getting their input as it relates to our strategic objectives. Obviously relationships, number one, I feel like the time invested in relationships early and intentionally, I'm, I'm real big on intentionality, make the effort to develop those relationships. Um, one of my favorite people that I have worked with in my past, Moody Chisholm, was a CEO at Northwest who really took an interest in my career and me as a person and spent a lot of time with me personally developing a relationship. Um, it also never failed that if I was really busy working on something and he wanted to spend time, that's when he came and sat down in my office and wanted to talk. And, you know, it, it never failed that it was, we were never on the same page when it came time. But sometimes when he was the opposite, and he really needed something. It may be a fly, I call them flybys. He would come by my office, you could tell he was stressed, he needed something. He would utter two sentences and walk away. 
that's wonderful. We had already spent our time and effort in developing our relationship that I knew where he was from a stress standpoint. I knew what he needed and he needed it now and I was able to go. So I believe that the intentionality and the investment that you make in those relationships actually leads to speed of execution. You're able to go faster in being able to execute your objectives. And then accountability. I'm a big believer. I use scorecards. So everything that I'm working on and responsible for, we have objectives we're trying to attain. I am accountable for some of those steps. Some of the people that I am working for and serving are accountable. And we have to make sure that we hold each other accountable in moving forward with those. All right, next slide. I know this one's a little busy, but I love this slide is it, is it talks about where does that fit in within the organization? And I want to go from the top, from the bottom to the top. Obviously, as an organization, you always have your why. Um, one of the best TED Talks I've ever seen is Simon Sinek's why. If you've never had a chance, go out, just YouTube it. You'll be able to find it. He does the most simple graphic. He draws on a whiteboard and just talks about why. And the why is important. Or if you want to take why and strategy and interchange those words, I believe they're there. But as an organization, your mission, vision, and values is what everything is built on. And then what are you gonna do? Obviously, in each of the pillars, people, growth, quality, service, and financial, you have to execute on every single one of those and you have to execute regularly. This is where, for me, the accountability comes from. This is where I use scorecards, making sure that I am being accountable to the people that are relying on me for something, and I'm also holding them accountable for the things that I need from them. You're gonna accomplish that and how you're gonna do that is through the culture of the organization, through accountability, and then obviously you ought to constantly be improving as an organization. And then those critical success factors will get you to where you need to be. So I do feel like your own servant leadership and how you perform fits into this hierarchy of how you view and look at your organization. All right, Jody, next one. So then the question is, what can I do? What can I personally do that makes a difference in these relationships? Obviously, as I said, build personal relationships. Spend time getting to know your people, getting to know what it is that makes them tick, what it makes you know, them happy about where they're at. Um, I had a director at one of the hospitals that I worked at, did a really neat thing where everybody likes to be rewarded and recognized in a different manner. So he just gave out a questionnaire a little bit about getting to know the person, you know, what, you know, how would you prefer, whether that's public, whether that's private, whether, you know, you're, you're incentivized by food, you know, or you, you like certificates, um, you know, whatever that might be, but very specifically tailored to each individual person so that you can spend time. And then again, as a department, you spend time with birthdays and other things so that you can all celebrate together. Coach, you very much have a responsibility to coach people. And this is different than um, discipline. Coaching is helping them along the lines of being able to get to who they are, not just taking their weaknesses, but taking their strengths and helping them develop those and become a better person. Clearly communicate and build energy around your strategies. I talked about that as one of my, you know, my, my personal leadership philosophy and my personal style always coming back to it. In fact, I, you know, I know that I'm doing a good job when I'm in a department director meeting or a board meeting and I've said it for the 50th time and everybody's rolling their eyes, you know, and everybody's okay, we got it. Come on. You've got to be kidding me. But when I know that I constantly go back to this objective, this one thing that we're doing, here's how it ties back to our why. Be consistent, always be consistent. Be careful with your words. You know, I explained about that. It does matter. It's really, um, you know, Jody's got an incredible um, entire training program on buddy to boss, especially if you're within an, an organization where you've been promoted and you now are somebody who was a peer and now you're a supervisor or a leader. Um, it, it changes that dynamic and your words are one of the things that really make a difference. Be willing to say, I'm sorry. Um, I know so many people and I think many, you know, I was raised this way. If you say, I'm sorry then that is very much a function of showing weakness. I would argue that it's the exact opposite. Saying I'm sorry shows a position of strength. You're confident enough in who you are as a person and who you are as a human being 
and that relationship that you've built with that person that you can say, I'm sorry, because you are going to mess up. I am going to mess up. I do it regularly. Be accountable, not just holding as a leader your people accountable, which is important, but you also have to hold yourself accountable. One of the things every single time when I have standing meetings with my associates, we talk about what do I owe you and what do you owe me? And we, we go through both of those things to make sure that we're both executing on those. Instituting intentional rewarding recognition. And I use the word intentional. You know, it's one thing just to celebrate birthdays, celebrate a milestone, but make sure that you're doing those and doing those intentionally. I always like to make sure that I always have plans for personal reward and recognition, departmental level, you know, within your own team, and then organizational wise. So you celebrate a big milestone, you celebrate the opening of a new building, you celebrate a reward that the organization got. But even within the department, it's important to celebrate birthdays together, all of those things. But it just shows that you care and you're being intentional. But most importantly, it's just showing that appreciation to the individual person on a regular basis. Execute. Nothing in the world with all of this is fluffy. At the end of the day, you are hired to do a job and you are hired to create um, either a product, create a service, but you have objectives that you're responsible for and you're expecting your associates to execute, you're expected to execute and you must do that. And then own your own decisions. You very much on a regular basis might be called upon to defend your decisions. Own them. You made them. You're going to stand by them. That might create a scenario where you have to say, I'm sorry, but it might create another scenario where you can really go back and talk about, um, you know, look, here's, you know, go back to the why. Here's why we did this. Here's what's going on. So I feel very important that, you know, you have that um, self-confidence enough that you know you did that. You have to own that. All right. Next slide, Jody. And I'm rambling, so I'm gonna get us to there so you can get to your part. So what does it look like? Obviously, I've talked about the example of high satisfaction, high engagement, employees and customers both. And you measure both of those on a regular basis. The example of the emergency department, it looks like that. That was our ROI. We could absolutely go back and pen to paper, talk about where that went. Um, speed of execution, I've talked about that from there. That is one of the things that I personally like. We all have pressures from a time standpoint to get more done than we can probably ever get to. But when you've invested that time and effort in serving your associates and building those relationships, I promise you, I have seen it over and over, it will lead to your speed of your execution. A culture that is just not noticeable, but the people in the organization can just feel it. You know, how many times have you worked for one of those high-performing organizations? You either get a new associate or you have a customer and they're like, it's just different here. You can just feel it. And that's one of the things that I think is very important and what it, what it looks like when you truly have servant leadership. Um, employees that govern the culture themselves, as I talked about the example with the department that I had, that they just manage themselves a network of people for life. Very few of us stay in the same job from the time we get out of school until we, get, until we retire. And it's important not only to call upon them when you're looking for another position, it's just as important to call upon them when you're needing something or they may call upon you when they need something that's gonna further your organization. And that network, not to mention if you're just a people person, you enjoy having that group of network that you can go to. And then most importantly for me is you get divided into other departmental parties. They have free food. I get to go to National Radiology Week and they always have the best barbecue. And so I want everybody to remember free food, build those relationships so you get invited to the parties. <laughs> um, what not to do. Um, don't be a jerk. I mean, just flat out, it, it's hilarious. I went to a, um, there's a organization that serves healthcare called Studer and they work with this type of work and building relationships and actually big into accountability. But there was a guy that spoke at one of the seminars I worked and that was a philosophy that he touted, a CEO of a hospital. And he said, don't be a jerk. And they would use that. And everybody around the whole organization talked about that on a regular basis. 
do not apologize for being the leader. You are responsible. You are called to this work. You have been given the position by somebody that has authority over you. You do not have to apologize for that. You have to execute. We talked about that as one of the things that you have to do. You can't apologize for just because you're serving others, you have still been placed in this position and that is not something that has to be apologized for. Don't give up on aggr aggressively pursuing your goals. I, I call it relentless accountability. I talked to, I use scorecards. It helps me not forget, you know, so that the three o'clock in the morning when I wake up and I think I've forgotten about something and I try to figure out, am I going to stay awake all night or I'm going to write this down? Relentless accountability. You have to make sure that you execute. Number four, do not be afraid to fire someone. You've got to be able to vehemently defend the culture. It happens. It happens at times. There are times when you have to go in because that person may not be a fit. They may not be executing, um, you know, on that. We had um, one example that I had that was really unique. It goes along with not apologizing for being the leaders where we had an associate that was extremely disruptive. She had asked me a question. Um, I was CEO of a hospital and she had asked me a question about changes in benefits that had come down from corporate. Nothing really that we could do, but I'm the leader, we're responsible for this, and this is what we're gonna do. And she became so disgruntled about that, that she bullied her other employees. She sought to create um, disruption within the department. You know, it was one of those, but she's one of the best whatever. You know, and in this case, it was a nurse. She's one of the best nurses that we have. I'm like, that's fine, but it's starting to eke over into your customer satisfaction and the rest of the employees. And finally, at one point, after a third round with her and her supervisors and human resources, they finally said, this is what we're going to do. This is where we are. You can either agree today to do that or not. And she said, I think I'll leave. And they took her, took her resignation immediately, and they let her go. Do not be afraid to let somebody go in your organization. Um, three months later, that leader came back to me and still a very good friend of mine and said, I never really realized how much was going on because I'm living in this department at this time and what that's creating. And I never really realized what a negative impact. And I appreciate you pushing me to do this. And I understand now about defending that. So, and then don't, um, don't dedicate 100% of your life to your job. You must have a rhythm of life. You must have a balance in your life, whether that is your family, your hobbies, your faith. I always put down Dallas Cowboys. I'm a huge sports guy. Obviously, that's one of my personal passions and things that I invest time in is my hobbies and sports and doing those things. But I feel like being able to get away and clearing my mind of those stresses, don't ever forget to... Um, not just dedicate yourself to the work at hand and do have some other things that are in your life. Next slide. Actually got this from the Gallup organization. So I think I know a lot of you know Gallup. We have used Gallup in some of the organizations. I've been to do satisfaction surveys, but you will never ever have customer satisfaction that exceeds your employee satisfaction. I want you to always remember that if you want to know an ROI, and something that will actually produce effort or, or results relating to spending time doing service, um, servant leadership, know this one, that your people's happiness will always be completely relevant and completely dependent on also your customer satisfaction. So that is one of the biggest ROIs you can have is repeat customers and how they feel about the service that you have. And then lastly, love this quote from, last slide, Jody, from um, Martin Luther King Jr., where, you know, you don't have to be the smartest in the room. You don't have to have a college degree. All you have to do is just serve. Just come with a heart. Just come from a position where you allow yourself to be vulnerable and you allow yourself to give in to and pour into other people and just come from a position of serving. Um, many, many stories of this, but the greatest one that I have is still to this day touches me. And, and you know, I, I don't know that I did this on purpose, but I had left an organization and a few months later got a note from a group of anesthesiologists who just made a point of saying, you are missed. 
We will never forget the time when you showed up for a funeral of one of our associates that had that had passed away in a, a tragic motorcycle accident um, and had been there for 20 something years and just being there for that team during that time of grief and then showing up in the department and asking them, they said, we will never forget that. And that's one of the things that resonates with me is you never know an individual act that you do. You never know the kindness that you may, but just coming from that service standpoint does make a difference with your associates. And even if you don't get beautiful feedback like that all the time, continue to try to do that. And I think it will make a difference. And I know that you, you personally will be fulfilled by it, but you will see execution and ROI on that time. That is awesome. Yeah. I, I just want to say, I agree with absolutely everything that you said, which is pretty normal. So uh, <laughs> thank you for all of that. Um, I, Originally, I was going to go into a whole nother presentation, but what I'd really like to do is maybe shift just a little bit here. We've got some people that are watching on Facebook. Any questions that anybody has, uh, you're more than welcome to ask those questions. I'm going to stop the screen share there and open it up for any chat for those that have joined us via Zoom as well. And to kind of let you guys know just a little bit, one, Kyle and I have we've had a chance to work together for a good decade now, uh, maybe just a little bit more than that. But the first time I met Kyle, I just thought, this is a funny leader. Like, and I know you mentioned that you're kind of goofy and, and you have fun. Uh, one of the things, I want to brag a little bit on a few things that you've done over the years. When you were at Northwest Texas Healthcare, here in Amarillo as a CEO, the show Undercover Boss was really popular. And UHS was doing this competition, and I got to see the video after you guys produced it, where you went into multiple different departments and everybody knew you. But my favorite one was when you went into the maintenance department, and you're what, six foot five? Yeah. And about, yeah. And you wore the highest high water pants I think I've ever seen a person <laughs> wear, and his uniform that didn't fit. And pretended like we're an undercover boss and you're asking questions and getting to know the department. And I just, I watched your people laugh with you and laugh at you. And you just, you had so much fun. And what that did to me from a leadership standpoint is it helped me realize one of the things that's always been missing or seems to have been missing from servant leaders is those who are okay with being vulnerable. And Brene Brown talks a lot about vulnerability and talks a lot about how important it is to be real and genuine and authentic. But you demonstrated that, I mean, at the core of who you are. And I just always appreciated that lesson that, that you shared in there. And then a couple of things that stood out to me on that slide, what not to do, the don't be a jerk. I can't even tell you how many times I've tried to get people to understand how important it is to just be nice. I actually had one individual that I was hired to quote unquote fix, which was a lot of what I did in coaching in the very beginning was just, hey, fix this person. They're a jerk. Get them to stop being a jerk. Well, I can't fix another person. And you and I had that conversation up front when, when we were talking about coaching people and you understood in the very beginning, I'm not asking you to change them. I'm asking you to create awareness with them. And I appreciated that fact because you're one of the few CEOs that early on was like, I get it. You know, I can't make a person do anything, but you can create an understanding or an awareness in that person so that they make an informed choice about who they're going to be and what they're going to do with their life. And an understanding of not being a jerk, the way that I have helped people get to that awareness is I want you to describe how you want to be remembered at the end of your life. And I get them to talk through that. And then I would say, now take you out of the picture, think about some other person. And, and if you were going to describe what behaviors would make that description and those characteristics unmistakable, what would those behaviors be? And so looking at somebody else, which takes them out of the picture, takes the emotion out, makes it easier. And then I will come back to them and say, well, 
here's how you're being described by other people around you, and it does not fit with what you're saying would make the unmistakable. So how can we work together to change those other people's perception? And all of a sudden they're like, well, I could just demonstrate these behaviors and we'll change their perception. And you're like, yes, that would be the perfect solution. So I like that. And I, another part of that same slide that I really, really liked was when you, you talk about don't let up on pursuing your goals. I hear so many people talk about how they worry about doing all of this leadership stuff because then they just got to be nice all the time and soft all the time and they don't get anything done. So when we are open about, hey, look, we're not letting up on this end result, but we're going there together, then all of a sudden it becomes so much easier. And so one person asked the question, how do you make your staff trust and be comfortable with servant leadership if they've always worked with the traditional leader? Uh, they can't believe someone genuinely cares. And I'm, I'm going to answer, and then we get Kyle to answer that. And that's what I want to turn this into is Kyle did such an amazing job. I don't want to take away anything what he, of what he did. And I want to make this into where we can have a conversation. So my answer on that first is when you're building trust, and I talk about in my culture perspective that it's alignment, workflow, and feedback. The building trust is an alignment of values. We have to know the why, like Kyle talked about. Why are we here and why does it matter? But then we have to spend time. You can't just say, I need you to be a trusting team, and then they go, oh, poof, we're a trusting team. You have to literally back up and go, how would I build any relationship? When my wife and I started dating, we spent a ton of time together. And I don't know, and I'm being a little vulnerable here, but you know, we're seven, eight years into marriage, and I'm thinking, hey, I got stuff to do, babe. We don't need to date anymore. I already got you. I don't have to pursue you anymore. And that led, yeah, that led to counseling sessions, is what that led to, and the potentiality of a divorce. And we were looking at separating, we were looking at our struggle, we were looking at all the things that weren't going right, because I forgot the first piece of building a team, which is spend time together. The second piece of building that trust within that team is I, as a leader, have to genuinely keep looking for ways to grow other people, but I also have to get my people to start doing that for one another. A lot of times we are great servant leaders, but we're not necessarily bringing that servanthood up in the mindset and in the hearts of others. So we try to, to generate that desire for good for the other person as well. And then the third piece that I see is that checking in. So the first and last piece, the alignment and the feedback, I need those one-on-ones. And Kyle mentioned a couple of different times when he was doing one-on-ones with his leaders. He's always been so good about just taking time to sit down with these amazing folks and give them honest feedback. And Kyle and I up front made the agreement when I first started coaching him, hey, I'm going to let you know I am a direct kind of person, but I'm not mean. And I will call you on your BS and we'll talk about it. Are you okay with that? And, you know, I always ask that question because some people just don't want to be called on what's really going on. So he said, absolutely, very good with that. Um, be honest. And then I was honest a few times. He's like, ow, that kind of hurts right. when you're that honest. But back and forth, he could say, I don't like when you do that. I do like this. This is helpful. That wasn't helpful. And I, I think that genuine authenticity or that honestness with one another in the feedback process without threats. So feedback isn't about threatening people to do what they're supposed to do. Feedback is about listening and understanding. And like Simon Sinek talks about in um, his book, The Infinite Game, he says, well, when somebody's struggling, instead of going to him and saying, you're missing your mark, you better get it together or you're not going to be here. It was, hey, you're missing your mark. I, I feel like something must be going on because you're generally a great performer. What's going on and how can I help you get yourself back on track. It's not taking away their work, but it's just helping them get back on track. So I'm going to say the question one more time and then get your perspective on this, Kyle. How do you make your staff trust and be comfortable with servant leadership if they've always worked 
with the traditional leader. They can't believe someone genuinely cares. And my interpretation of that is they've always worked with somebody that says you must do it and use fear and intimidation or, you know, the carrot and the stick stuff. So what's your take on that, Kyle? Well, I mean, you put it very well. The ones I would, you know, add on to a little bit is, you know, I talked about being consistent, but one of the other things about being consistent is you're going to have to be patient. I mean, patient, you, you know, you're going to have to exhibit patience because it will not come overnight. Um, I see one of the people that's on here is Sherry and Sherry's an HR director that I've worked with is now um, she's exceptional at what she does. And she's now with a physician group up in Jacksonville. Sherry and I worked together in an organization where I followed what I would call a person that's more of a traditional leader. And when I came in, there were, I don't even know how to describe so many different attitudes about me being there. One, some of those people love the former leader. And so there was, you know, out and out um, aggression. Others were, okay, here we go. Here's another person. I don't know how this one's going to go. And other people were just excited to see somebody new. You might get that in any organization you are. But when you as a person, and she and I talked about this a lot, being consistent, but then we're going to have to be patient. No matter what, there will be some people that are not going to buy into your stuff. They're not going to buy into that philosophical group. That doesn't make them bad or wrong. That just makes y'all not a fit. And that's one of the things that she and I got to spend a lot of time talking about is how do we, you know, some of these people even, I, I would go as far as say they were even PTSD. I mean, they just, they didn't appreciate the previous style and they felt beaten down. Others, they were happy, they thrived in that, but yet still some of those that were happy and thrived, we were able to win over and she was a great confidant for me, for us to be able to talk about that. But wow, there were days, there were just days that I'm like, am I wrong? You know, am I, you know, I was being vulnerable. Am I, is this not the right approach? Are these not the right things to do? Then we saw some little wins. We saw some little wins within individual departments or people. Um, some of them were around, again, 100 plus percent turnover of RN staff in some of those departments in a hospital and got those. Net, we, we did not get them to where we wanted them, but we got them below 20% to around 16, 17, which might be a national average and just celebrated and had those wins because people felt different about, not me, but they felt different about the way that new leader and that person in that, in that group and how they were being treated. So patience is one of those because, you know, depending on what you step into or depending on how you personally act, you know, then, then that makes all the difference in the world. And then the other thing I would say is, you know, really pushing and going about, um, you know, honestly, if there's some of these and you feel like that's outside of your personal, your personal um, core, is fake it till you make it. Um, again, I cannot remember. I, I, this is one I always, I always say this. I wish I could remember exactly who it was, but it was an incredible YouTube uh, TEDx talk that I watched. And she did an incredible job. And hers was about fake it till you become it. If it's not necessary, if you intellectually know that something is a great leadership tenet or a great thing that you need to do, but it is so far outside of your core, just like you said, Jody, when, when the person came about and said, okay, if I change this one behavior, then that's going to, you know, they're going to recognize that more, you know, you know, had an example of a person just wanted to put out the ideas, have everybody come up with what the objectives were and then just move on. And if other people said, well, maybe we need to change slightly the strategy, or maybe we need to change a little bit about this one aspect, he didn't want to hear it. And he had to create space to force himself to do that. Then they had a couple of wins and they came because it went totally against his original idea. And it had to do with building a building and where they were going to do that. And so, um, you know, I think, you know, both being patient and then if it's not, listen, I've got things that are, in, in the core of who I am as a person is not patient, which is why I bring that one up and it is not to be patient. And it's this, these are brilliant concepts that I'm bringing. You people ought to recognize that. Let's just go. And that's not reality. 
and it's learning to become that person and to do that. And, you know, I, you know, again, I just shout out to Sherry. I just appreciate her and the times that we got to spend talking about, you know, she had lived within the organization long enough that I could rely on that institutional knowledge and, you know, the, the history that she had as well as, you know, what, what she was seeing and what we were doing to be able to bring that about. The other thing you talk about that with coaching, the other thing that I feel like is very important that goes along those exact same lines. I went to an organization one time that they used coaching as a last means for somebody to be saved before they were fired. So if you were a leader or even an associate and you were struggling, it's like, let's get them a coach. And it's like, oh, heavens, no. You know, a coach, first of all, is expensive. And it's an investment by the organization. You should be coaching your leaders that you're sitting there going, I see something in this person that would allow them to be even more if they had a coach. Those are the people you invest a coach in. The other ones, that's your responsibility as their direct supervisor or whomever their direct supervisor is, is coaching them and then working them through a performance improvement plan. But investing coaching and investing resources in people that are going to be your stars are the ones that are going to generate that ROI for your organization. And I would like to just echo that, that it is so wonderful when you realize that the more proactive you can be, the more of a servant you truly are, because servant leaders create servant leaders. And people who are mean and angry create people who are mean and angry. What you want within your organization, you first have to demonstrate and everything flows downhill. You know, we've heard of like trickle down economies. Well, trickle down leadership is an absolutely real thing. I, I would not be able to make the person above me behave the way that I wanted them to. I can learn to engage with them better, deal with them better, solve conflicts, whatever. But my best bet is from where I'm at down, I can have a really positive impact. And so culture is all about creating that forward momentum by demonstrating it first. And Kyle was always one of the best and still is one of the best that I've ever worked with on demonstrating that. And I'm going to tell a, a quick story. And then before I do that, though, if you haven't gone to like uh, Jody Holland Training and Speaking, it's just facebook.com slash the Jody Holland. It's the page that this is streaming on every Monday. Uh, Starting this coming Monday, I'll manage to do what's called Leadership Corner. It'll be a 10-minute leadership lesson. And then I'll stay on for another 30, 45 minutes, whatever I need to, to provide coaching based on ask any question that you want. And there's no cost to that. You just have to follow the page. Then the other thing is I'm trying to bring on amazing people like Kyle once a month to do a longer form conversation to get them to teach something about the way that they have led and created great cultures and great organizations. So you have a chance to pick their brain as well and learn from them. And Kyle and I have been collaborating and partnering on some things lately, doing consulting and training and culture change. So if you would like to work with us, we would love to work with you. And we are, we're doing great things all over the country and we'd love to be a part of your organization and help however we can. And I, I got to tell you, I probably worked for four years on Kyle to let me partner with him on doing some of these things. Cause I'm like, dude, you're the one that knows all of this. You've been living it at your core since I met you. Let's just work together. So my, my slightly funny, but just validating story about how important it is to own self is Kyle and I were working on some things at Northwest and this employee group had created a plan for changing up parking. And it's one of my favorite stories from Kyle. And they, they came up with a plan that they added this parking lot and they were going to ship people back and forth via this big golf cart. And they were going to start charging for parking up close so that they could afford to hire somebody to go back and forth. Great plan. They rolled out the plan. And the next day, people were papering the hospital with, I can't believe what administration did. They don't care about us. They're taking away our free parking up front. They're going to make us park in the North 40 and all kinds of stuff. And Kyle calls me, he goes, okay, I didn't have anything to do with this. Administration didn't have anything to do with this. Why are they freaking out? And what do I do about it? And I asked the question, I said, do you want to fix the problem or do you want to be right? And that's an important question that we have to ask ourselves. Do we want to fix the problem 
or do we want to be right and validate that we're right? And he goes, well, I want to fix the problem. And it was just a slight hesitation. He said, you want to fix problems? So, well, here's how you do that. You tell people you're sorry that administration jumped the gun. You're going to refer it to the employee council and you're going to let them make the decision. And he goes, okay. So he said, I'm so sorry. We jumped the gun. We love our employees. We never wanted to create anything that would be negative uh, for your experience. Did a phenomenal job. I don't remember exactly how he worded it, but a great job wording it. Turn it over to the employee council who came up with the exact plan that they already had and everybody bought into it. But a lot of times what we're dealing with isn't reality. What we're dealing with is perception. And William James, who started psychology in the United States, said, that which I perceive is my reality. As you're building your cultures, you're getting buy-in, you're trying to get people to believe in a direction, you're working on just shifting their perspective or their perception. And the moment you do that, you've shifted their reality. We have to have a psychological perspective on leadership. And we have to have a relational perspective on leadership. And when we do that, people buy in. People get excited. They start believing you in you as a leader. And they get rid of some of that, you know, what was held over from previous bad leadership or previous aggressive leadership. And I'm going to tell you, there are so many people in this country that suffer from workplace PTSD. It is an absolute real thing. It's been diagnosed over and over again. When you work for a leader that is just beating you down all the time and taking away your soul, you have to get out of the situation and you have to recover. But we have two components of the brain. One is called the apperception mass, which is all the labels of previous experiences where we're trying to shift what was the label that I had. I looked at you know, somebody that's like really good looking like Kyle. And I thought, hmm, man, last time I worked for a good looking leader like that, they were mean. And so you, you have to let go of that past label. It means peeling it off and saying, not all leaders are bad leaders. Every leader has their own style. Second thing in the brain is called the reticular activating system. And that's what tells us what to notice. And when we are looking for the bad in a leader, we tend to find it. When we are looking for the good in a leader, we tend to find it. Same thing is true with our employees. So you, you put all of that together and you start to realize we have our opportunity to look for whatever we want to. But in order to do that, we have to reevaluate the situation we're in, peel off the old label, relabel it, and say, in this situation with this leader, I choose to look for the good in that person. And it's the staff's conscious choice to look for good in the leader. And it generally starts with the leader's conscious choice to look for good in the staff. We're just shifting perceptions because perception is reality. So I want to thank you guys for being a part of this. We're coming up on almost an hour on here. I, I have loved this. This honestly, I am so excited about doing this every month, particularly with people like Kyle so I'm sure you'll hear from him uh, a few different times, but I want you to know that you are invited and I'm going to encourage you to invite other people, watch for other programs that we're doing, and then reach out to us. Uh, and Kyle, in the chat on Zoom, if you want to just put whatever email address you would like for people to reach you on, if you'll add that in there, just that's the way you can get a hold of Kyle if you need anything from him. He is doing executive and leadership coaching now. Uh, I do executive and leadership coaching. We are doing some partnerships on training programs and on speaking. We're doing some great team building stuff for other organizations. Business is picking back up. I don't know about every state, but I can tell you Texas is reopened. Florida is reopened. And we may not have 100%, but I am traveling for work again and looking forward to helping you and supporting you the best that I can. Also, we have a, some programs, and I put this in the chat on Facebook, and I just put it in the chat on Zoom as well, psycheofsuccess.com slash back to work. We're running specials through the month of June on e-learning. So if you'd like to buy a package for your organization, uh, it's kind of targeted for people with 500 employees or less at a location. If you have more than that, reach out to me. I'll get you some great pricing, but it's a year's worth of training. It's Supervisor 101. It's a program called Clean and Safe, which 
shows you how to clean and disinfect your organization, as well as how to create psychological safety and emotional safety as we go back to work. It is Supervisor 101, it is Sales 101, it is Customer Service 101, uh, and it is a human resource success program that I partnered with a trainer out of Illinois, and we're doing monthly updates on changes to the workplace related to COVID-19 and related to getting people back to work and how you handle FFCRA and FMLA requests and all of that. And it's just so good to stay on top of that. So anything we can do to support you, please let us know. Thank you again for being a part of this. Thank you, Kyle, for your wisdom and your insights. If you guys Thanks, enjoyed Jody. this, make sure you follow facebook.com slash the Jody Holland, and then look on Monday at 4 p.m. Central. Every Monday, I'll be doing a 10-minute training, and then once a month, we'll be doing something with a great leader like Kyle, put this out there. So thank you again. Any parting words, Kyle? No, I, real quick, I, there was one question that I saw up there. Tom posted a question. Hey, Tom, how are you, buddy? Oh, cool. um, and Tom actually sent me a text going, I wasn't smiling enough, so thanks for that, too. Um, Tom's great about holding me accountable. He says, do you have any um, tricks or any ideas about how to self-evaluate or you being a servant leader and how we can be perceived? So I am a believer, and I hate it when I'm in an organization, that they choose not to do employer-associated engagement surveys. So that is one of the ways that you absolutely can get that. Now, you know, most of them, if you're in a small department, you know, the, the thought process there is they'll blind them if you have less than 10 or 15 employees, but you want to make sure that, um, you know, that you have that and you will get information that way. The other one, which this one really will open you up to some vulnerability is to do 360 evaluations. And so, I'm a believer that, again, I don't know that you need to do them every year, but on some, every couple of years or so, 18 months. And again, every employee picks at least one person that's organizationally above them. It can be their boss, or it could be like another person that's a vice president or somebody, um, a couple of peers and a couple of subordinates, at least, you know, so that you get those five. You, you will actually get interesting information from both peers and bosses, people that are over you in the organization about your servant leadership style, because they'll know, they'll see it also, but you're going to get direct and honest feedback, especially if you have a large team from your people. That is the best way to be able to get that and to be able to do that. Again, the other typical things, are you looking at turnover within your organization, retention? Again, those are you know similar calculations of the same piece. Um, you know, to know how is your team doing and how is it performing? And then are you actually executing? You I mean, those are always standard things. At some point you are doing a good job as a leader, but truly knowing that you're pouring into people and giving them that just ask, just do a 360. Yeah. And the everything disc 363, uh, yeah, yeah. they've got a, a really cool technology that doesn't allow for leadership bashing. So based on the rating of the person on each key area, it will suggest coaching tips and you can pick the one that would be the most helpful for that person. So I've used that with a, a half a dozen different companies in the last six months and do a lot of the Everything Disc work of leaders assessment. And it shows you best practices based on research of over 80,000 leaders as to what is going to create the most servant leadership model for building you up. So if you're interested in those, I'm certified in both of those and Kyle and I will work together with you to, to help you learn that information. Great question, Tom. Thank you for that. And uh, I don't see any other questions. You see any other questions that we may have missed? Thank you for your time. Thank you everyone for um, honoring us with, with your time during this day. Uh, please stay safe. Um, and again, my last thought, if, if, if You've got five minutes left in your day and you're not sure, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to cut out early, pour into somebody, even if it's just go, go to another area, spend time with somebody and just pour into them. Um, that's one of the greatest ways that you can do that. And that is not wasting your time or, you know, doing something that you're not called to do. That's one of the most important things you can do. So pour into people um, and everyone have, you know, a blessed weekend. Awesome. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you on the next one.
Man, what a great conversation today with Kyle Sanders on how you build great cultures. Great questions from our audience. Thank you guys so much for participating. Thank you for doing what you do. If you're watching this as a replay, make sure that you took notes. Go back and watch this again. Also, once a month, we'll have one of these long-form conversations in this lesson plan. And then every Monday at 4 p.m. Central, on Jody Holland Training and Speaking's Facebook page, so facebook.com forward slash the Jody Holland, we will be going live doing a 10-minute leadership lesson and then providing some free coaching and feedback for you. So tune in, get your questions ready, and let's make sure that we grow together. I'm Jody Holland. We'll see you in the next lesson. Thank you for listening to the Psyche of Success. Give us a five-star rating, subscribe, share with your friends, take out billboards about how much you love us if you want, but just make sure to apply the lessons learned and live fully into your potential. We'll see you next week for another episode of The Psyche of Success.